Psalm 119 this evening, as we continue our walk through Psalm 119. Psalm 119, verse number 145. It's a section number 19. It's a 19 Wednesday nights that we've been walking through Psalm 119 together. And this evening we want to think about, Thy word is my hope. I don't know if that's really the best title for it or not. Really, this section of Psalm 119 is all about prayer. And it's all about David's attitude toward prayer. And we'll notice as we read here, Psalm 119, verse number 145, he says, I cried with my whole heart. Hear me, O Lord, I will keep thy statutes. I cried unto thee, save me, and I shall keep thy testimonies I prevented the dawning of the morning and cried. I hoped in thy word. Mine eyes prevent the night watches that I might meditate in thy word. Hear my voice according unto thy loving kindness, O Lord. Quicken me according to thy judgment. They draw nigh that follow after mischief. They are far from thy law. Thou art near, O Lord, and all thy commandments are truth. Concerning thy testimonies, I have known of old that thou hast founded them forever. Thy word is my hope, and I I titled the message that. He says there in verse number 147, I hoped in thy word. And he ends the psalm speaking of the fact that he knows, he believes, he's, he's sure, he has a sure foundation in the fact that God has founded His word forever. The things that God has said, David is reaching out to those things, and he says, I know, I have known of old, that thou hast founded them forever. This isn't something that he's, you know, God is just establishing. David can look back through time. He can look back at his forefathers. He can look back in his own life. He is known of old, that God has founded these things forever. And because of that, because of the faithfulness of God, because he believed these things, we notice in the beginning of the psalm especially, he speaks of the fact that he's crying unto God. So first of all, this evening, we're going to notice the cry of the psalmist. The cry of the psalmist. And you'll notice there in the first three verses of this section, he speaks about how he has cried to God. Now, this isn't necessarily the you know, boo-hoo kind of crying as David just sat there and tears ran down his face necessarily. What he's speaking about with this word cry is to, to lift up his voice, to make his voice known. And yes, it, it's not, you know, he wasn't just praying necessarily in a monotone fashion. There's some emotion involved, hence the word cried. He's, other places he's talked about the fact that he's called unto God. But there's definitely some emotion that goes along with this. In verse 145, I cried with my whole heart, Hear me, O Lord, I will keep thy statutes. As we think about the cry of the psalmist this evening, the first thing that we'll notice is the object of his cry. The object of his cry. He says there in 145, Hear me, O Lord. And you'll notice in your Bible there, it is capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. 
And it is unique here in Psalm 119. There are not many times that he refers to the Lord with his uh, proper name here, Jehovah. He is speaking to God as the self-existent one. The one who has existed from time past and exists on into eternity future. The self-existent one. And if you think about what David is doing, he's praying. He's crying unto God. He's bringing petitions before God. He's lifting up his voice. And if you're going to do that, if you're going to ask someone for something, if you're going to come to someone with a petition, what kind of person do you want to come to with your petition? If you need help in your life and things are rising up around you and you find yourself, you know, David mentioned many times in Psalm 119 how he was under affliction. You don't want to go to someone who is powerless to help you. You don't want to go to someone who has things worse off than you and plea for help, right? If you find yourself in need of a hundred bucks, you don't necessarily want to go to a homeless person and ask them for money. Now, if you know one of those panhandlers that stands on the side of the road, they might actually be a, a good person to go to because the vast majority of them make a lot of money. The vast majority of them are actually liars. And they get, you know, really ratty clothes on and they go out and stand there. I mean, have you ever thought about how much money those people must make in an hour? The average person hands them what? A $20 bill? That's, that's the usual denomination. Well, not me, not you. But you watch at the stoplight. You know, people pull up and they hand them a $20 bill. I've watched. I've paid attention. I think, man, if that happened just five times in an hour, and it probably happens generally once every light cycle, those people are making really good money. Obviously, they're making good money. That's why they're standing out there. But if you're in need of help, if you're in need of money, you don't go to someone who's living on the street and expect, hey, they're going to be able to help me with this $1,000 bill that I have. No, you go to someone who you think has the means. <laughs> You go to someone who you think can help. David here, he cries. He cries with his whole heart, and the object of his cry is the Lord. The one that David goes to in the midst of being overwhelmed, in the midst of being persecuted, in the, in the midst of affliction, is God himself, the self-existent one. You know, there's no one better that you and I can go to in the problems, and the troubles of life, and even when life is going well, you and I ought to cry unto the Lord. David recognized who he should go to. He recognized the one that he should cry to. We notice again in verse number 146, he starts it out. He says, I cried unto thee. Unto thee. You know, David didn't go to all those around him. He didn't go to every person that he could go to in this world and try to solve his problem and get it handled. Yes, there were times when David went and he looked to men for help. But in general, in David's problems, he went to God. He knew the, the place that he should go, that he should cry unto God. And David says here in verse 146, I cried unto thee, save me. So we notice the object of his cry, that he cried unto God himself. But next, as we think about the cry of the psalmist here, we'll notice the content of his cry. 
In verse number 145, he says, I cried with my whole heart, hear me, O Lord, hear me. His desire, his prayer is not very eloquent. It's not even very long. It's only two words. Hear me. Now, certainly he was asking for God to hear. For God to bend his ear and to listen. And you know what a, what a marvelous thing it is that God listens to you and I. That God listens to the prayer of any man. That God would listen to the prayer of a lost man calling unto him in repentance and faith. What a wonder. What a marvel. What a wonderful God we have. You know, in our day and age, distraction abounds. And, you know, it's easy to be involved in doing something in your own little world, to be texting, to be composing a message to someone, to be reading an email, and to have someone come up and to talk to you. And you can physically hear what they are saying, right? But many times, we don't actually listen. And if we value the relationship, we have to be careful because it's, it's easy, especially when in a husband and wife relationship, we live together, we spend a lot of time with one another, and it's easy to be involved in composing a text message or trying to figure something out and to forget to listen, to forget to hear. Oh, she might come and talk to me in the words physically assault my eardrums, but that doesn't mean that I have heard what she has to say to me. David here, he cries out to God. He asks for God to hear him. His desire was not just that God would physically hear his prayer, but his desire was that God would listen. That God would bend his ear and truly hear. And we can extrapolate. David's desire wasn't just for God to hear He was going to God. He was bringing his problem before God because he was hoping for God to work. He knew that God would hear and that God would act on his behalf. Hear me. We'll notice the next content of his cry in verse number 146. Not only does he ask God to hear him, he cries unto God, save me. Save me. He asks for God to rescue him. To rescue him. Now you think about David, and you think about David's life. And you think about some of the things that happened in David's life. Well, there were several instances in David's life where he needed God to rescue him. You think about David and Goliath. Now, I'm on the short side of tall. Some people, they look at me and they think, oh, you're tall. Well, really, I'm short because you compared me to NBA players or something like that. You know, I played basketball in high school, but it was a very small pond. And so I was tall in a small pond. But, you know, I'm short. If I was to play in the NBA, I'd be a short guy. I'd be out there on the court and they'd be towering above me. Some scholars believe that David was very short. But, you know, even if you're six foot tall and you go up against someone as tall as Goliath, you feel short. 
Now, I'm not used to looking up to people. I'm used to usually being at least pretty even or looking down to people. And there's been a couple instances in my life where I've been around people who are significantly taller than me. I was around a guy one time, he was almost seven foot tall. And I felt extremely small. I wasn't used to that feeling. But you can imagine looking up to someone who is as tall as Goliath. The ceilings in this room, I'm not sure the height, but you can imagine someone as tall as the ceilings in this room, right? They're probably about eight foot from here. So it's probably pretty close to nine foot from the, the regular floor down there. Can you imagine that? Coming up to someone like that, holding a sword and a spear and a shield that are sized for a man that size, that'd be intimidating. I would, I would be quaking. I would be scared. And, you know, we can go back to that story in the Bible, to that account in the Bible, and we can see, you know, David cried out to God at that time. He desired that God would deliver him. He desired for God to rescue him. David wasn't trusting in himself during that time. He was trusting in God. There were other times in David's life where he cried out to God to save him. Other situations that David went through, he walked through that were over his head, that were out of his control, that were bigger than he could handle, and he needed God to rescue him. David here cries out to God, I cried unto thee, Save me. Save me. But then, next we'll notice the intensity of his cry. The intensity. We've talked about what it is to cry, to call out, and there was certainly emotion that was associated with this. And we notice that in verse number 145. How did he cry? He says, I cried with my whole heart. With my whole heart. Hard. I cried out to God. Now you can imagine David's entire heart, his entire being, all that David has is wrapped up, it's involved in this cry. David was invested in this prayer to God. Everything about him, his, his being, was in this prayer to God. It was in this cry to God. This wasn't just some little thing. He didn't come and just thank God for his food and move on. It wasn't that kind of a cry. No, this was a cry that had David's attention. David was probably fixated on this thing. He says, I cried unto thee with my whole heart. You, you can probably think back in your life to situations that have gotten a hold of your whole heart. They've been big enough situations that they've gotten your focus. You found yourself throughout the day thinking about that one thing over and over and over again. And you, every time you think about it, you feel the emotions within you begin to rise and you begin to feel overwhelmed with the situation. You begin to feel overwhelmed with being able to handle it and figure it out. That's the kind of thing that wraps up your whole heart. And you know what happens during a time like that? You find that suddenly your prayer life begins to grow uh, more important. As, as the bigness of the problem, or maybe we should say as our recognition 
of the bigness of the problem begins to dawn upon us. Because if we're honest, we need God just as much every single day. You know, sometimes problems come along that help us recognize and realize just how frail we are and just how much we need him every day. But when those things come along, right, you begin to cry unto God with your whole heart. You begin to not worry about what other people think about your cry unto God. You begin to not worry about the little things in life that grab your attention, and that issue begins to take center stage. And if you truly believe, trust that God can do something about it or will do something about it, then you find that you begin to spend some serious time in prayer about that thing. David was serious about this. I cried with my whole heart. Hear me, O Lord. I will keep thy statutes. But next we notice, not only did he cry with his whole heart, but next, in verse number 147, he says, I prevented the dawning of the morning and cried. Now, I puzzled over this for a little while, trying to figure out what does it mean? I prevented the dawning of the morning. So does that mean that David somehow, you know, stopped time and morning didn't dawn? I thought, well, no, that can't be right. That's not what this is talking about. So I broke out my dictionary and I looked up the word prevent. Now, I didn't even know that the word prevent had this meaning. And when you stop and you think about it, okay, it makes sense. You break down the word prevent. Now, when we use the word prevent, we use it to stop. Like, I, I stopped that from happening. But the word prevent, it has the prefix, the word pre, and then the word event. So before it happened, we stopped something. But that's not how David is using it here. The word prevent also has another meaning that means to anticipate or to come before. Right? You can see that in those root words pre and vent. So what he is saying, I prevented the dawning of the morning, is he got up before the dawning of the morning. He was ready before morning came. And what was he doing? Well, he was crying unto God. In other words, David's saying, God, I got up early, before the dawning of the morning, and I was crying unto you. We see the intensity of the cry. David was willing to give up sleep. He was willing to get up early. He was willing to seek God's face before the sun had even risen. Because this was a serious situation. Because he valued his time in prayer with God. He prevented the dawning of the morning, and he cried. He brought his petition before God. He lifted up his voice in prayer, bringing this situation to God's attention. Early in the morning, the intensity of his cry. But then next of all, we'll notice the promise of his cry. The promise of his cry. In verse number 145, he said, I cried with my whole heart. Hear me, O Lord, I will keep thy statutes. So he comes to God and he asks God to hear him. He brings his petition before God and you'll notice his intent, his purpose. I cried unto thee with my whole heart. Hear me, O Lord, I will keep thy statutes. 
David's desire here, his intention, his drive was to keep God's statutes. The statutes of God. When we think about the statutes of God, the statutes of God are his, his rules, his laws, his principles by which we are to live. David says, I will keep thy statutes. He's coming to God in prayer for the purpose, with the desire that he would keep God's statutes. Certainly you and I, if we look at our lives, this ought to be our desire. It ought to be our intent. When we come to God, well, you think about how many people come to God in prayer. People in general, right? How do people in general come to God in prayer? Well, most of them don't until something happens. And they think, oh, well, let me come to God in prayer and maybe it'll make the situation better. Maybe God will do something. But you think about those people, most people in general, do they have any intention of keeping the statutes of God? Do they have any desire to keep His Word? Do they have any desire to live after His principles? Well, most people, no. I just look out in the world around us, right? That's obvious. But David, his desire, his intent, his purpose, his promise was, I will keep thy statutes. He desired for God to work on his behalf. He desired to keep God's statutes. Next, in verse number 146, I cried unto thee, save me, and I shall keep thy testimonies. We've talked about the testimonies of God before, how the testimonies of God are the things that God has attested to. They are the things that God has said, and they are truth. God's Word. It's another way of thinking of God's Word, but when we think about you know, the things that God has said, they are true. The things that God has sworn to, they come to pass. The things that God has said will happen, they happen. David says here, I will keep thy testimonies. Save me, and I shall keep thy testimonies. His desire was to live after the way that God had declared was the best way to live. His desire was to rule as a king in the way that God had declared was the best way to rule as a king. His desire was to keep the testimonies of God. To not let them slip. To not let them fall. To, to gather them all up and to hold them. To defend them against attack. Oh, brethren, that ought to be how you and I treat the testimonies of God. We ought to search the Scriptures. We ought to find the testimonies of God. We ought to find His principles. We ought to find the things that God has declared. And we ought to hold on to them and say, yes, these are true. This is the way that I should order my life. That word keep, to guard, to defend, to hold on to. That's how you and I ought to live our lives. We ought to gather up the principles of God and hold them close and defend them against the attack of the flesh. Defend them against the attack of Satan and against the attack of the world. We ought to keep the testimonies of God. We ought to order our lives according to the ways that God has declared we ought to cry unto God, save me, and I shall keep thy testimonies. 
The next thing that he promised, in verse number 147, I prevented the dawning of the morning and cried, I hoped in thy word. I hoped in thy word. That word hope, typically when you and I today use the word hope, we generally mean it in a wishful sort of way. I hope that you know, the weather is going to get cooler tomorrow. The weatherman has stated thus, and I hope that it's true. But really, it's a wishful term because, you know, we've all been around long enough to recognize that the weatherman really has no idea what he's talking about. And so he's following these patterns that declare that tomorrow the weather is supposed to be cooler than it was today, but we've been lied to enough times, we recognize that it, you know, I hope so, but it wouldn't surprise me tomorrow if it's just as hot as it was today. But when David uses the word hope here, it's not a wishful kind of thinking. The, the biblical word hope means a trust. It, it's not rooted in man. It's rooted in God. I hoped in thy word. I trusted in thy word. David has just talked about the testimonies of God. When we think about the Word of God, it is something that you and I can hope in. It is something that you and I can base not only our life here on earth, but also our eternity upon. We can hope in God's Word. But you know, for David, there were many points in his life where hoping in God's Word, it seemed kind of silly. It looked kind of bleak. You think about David when he was anointed as king. The prophet Samuel came, called him from the sheep fields, and he comes in and he pours oil over his head, and David has been anointed the next king of Israel. But it was going to be a long time before that came to pass. There were going to be a lot of moments that David would cling to that promise that he would hope in the word of God, but it would look rather dark and rather bleak. But you know, David's hope, his trust in God, it was not misplaced. Oh, we know the rest of the story. We know eventually what happens. We know that God keeps his word. And David, as he thought of the word of God, he valued it. He hoped. He trusted in the Word of God. And because he trusted in God's Word, because he trusted that God was faithful in the things that God said would come to pass, because of that, he cried unto God. Because he truly believed that God would do what he promised, that God would do what he said, because of that, he spent time in prayer. Because of that, he cried unto God, hear me. Because of that, he cried unto God, save me. Because of that, he woke early in the morning and he spent time in prayer because he knew that God was faithful. He hoped in God's word. So we've seen the cry of the psalmist. I guess I better hurry up. Second of all, we're going to look at the desire of the psalmist. The desire of the psalmist. In verse number 148, he says, Mine eyes prevented, or mine eyes prevent the night watches, that I might meditate in thy word. So once again, David uses this word, prevent, 
Now, of course, he wasn't speaking English. But the word that he was using, speaking about prevent, I prevent the night watches. It's the idea, not that he was avoiding the night watches, or he didn't want to, he was trying to stop them. That's usually what you and I do, right? I want to prevent the night watches. I want to, I want to lay my head down on my pillow at night, and I want to sleep all the way to the morning. I don't want any night watches. I don't want to have to wake up and lay there at 2 o'clock in the morning trying to go back to sleep. No, right, we, we like unbroken sleep. But what David is saying here, I prevent the night watches. It means he was anticipating He was looking forward. He was coming before, and he was waiting for the night watches. He wanted to wake up in the middle of the night. He wanted to have that night watch. You think about David as a warrior. As a warrior, he would have had night watches. He would have had times, even as the leader, I'm sure we know that David was a good leader. And you know what good leaders do? They lead from the front. A good leader would go and would take a night watch. And I'm sure even, you know, David wasn't always king. There were times in David's life where he had night watches, where he had watch duty. And he probably had the rough shift, you know, from about 3 o'clock in the morning on, when you're super sleepy. David looked forward to that. I prevent the night watches. He wasn't necessarily just a night owl. I don't know if they had coffee in Bible days. But you know, why? Why did he want to be up in the middle of the night? What does he say in verse number 148? Mine eyes prevent the night watches that I might meditate in thy word. You know, most people when they wake up at 2 o'clock in the morning, God's word is not what they think about. We are all masters of meditation, especially when there's something bad going on, especially when things are not the way that we like them. We're masters at it. We can take that problem and we can pull it apart and we can look at each of the individual parts and constituents of that problem and piece it and figure out how it's going to end absolutely horribly. And that's why, you know, a lot of times we end up laying there from 2 to 3 to 4, and we can't go to sleep. Or, you know, maybe it's not so sinister. Maybe your mind just starts running and you start thinking about different things. Right? We're masters at meditation. We know how to think about things. But so often when it comes to the Word of God, that discipline of thinking that we have in regards to problems and those kind of things, it just it goes out the window. But David said he, his desire... He wanted to wake up in the middle of the night so that he could spend time with God. So that he could spend time meditating in God's Word. When David woke up, he said, you know what? Yes! What an awesome opportunity! I'm awake in the middle of the night. No one else is awake. And I can just spend time meditating on God's Word. What a benefit. What a blessing there would be for you and I if when we wake up in the middle of the night, we have God's Word ready. We have it memorized. We have a three-by-five card. We have something. And instead of sitting there or laying there thinking about all the problems and the terrible things and, or all the, the things that we want to do, 
We meditate in God's word. David was excited about it. It was his desire. Not only that, verse number 149, he says, Hear my voice according unto thy loving kindness, O Lord. Quicken me according to thy judgment. So we see two more desires that the psalmist had here in verse number 149. The first one, he says there, Hear my voice according unto thy loving kindness, O Lord. He references God once again by his proper name, the self-existent one, Jehovah, I am. So he comes to God once again in prayer, and his desire is to be heard of God. But you'll notice, how does he want to be heard? Hear my voice according. According unto what? According unto thy loving kindness. He calls upon the the mercies of God, the loving kindness of God. And he petitions God once again that he would hear him. David is not coming to God in pride. He's not coming to God saying, yeah, God, you, you need to hear me. You, you have to hear me. No, he's coming to God and he's recognizing fully, I, I don't deserve for God to hear me. I don't deserve for God to listen to anything that I have to say, but God, hear my voice according unto thy loving kindness. You know, David could look back in Scripture at the loving kindness of God. He could look back at the, the accounts that he had Preserved for him even then. The accounts of his forefathers. You know, David could look back at his grandparents. Obed and Ruth. Oh, what a picture of God's loving kindness. That God would bring someone like Ruth into David's lineage. Give her a husband and a home. Someone to take care of her. What a picture of God's mercy. David could think back to that. He could remember the loving kindness of God. And now David comes to God and he he petitions. He desires God to hear his voice according unto thy loving kindness. But second of all there in verse number 149, he desires that God would quicken him. That God would make him alive. That God would take him from being dead and make him alive. That God would give him the strength that he needs And you'll notice, he says, quicken me according to what? According to thy judgment. Now, you have to stop and wonder, okay, well, how does God quicken according to his judgment? Well, think about David, right? There were many, many times when David was faced with opportunities to take matters into his own hands. Opportunities where David was rightfully so in the eyes of man. He could have grabbed things and made them happen. And because he didn't, he faced years of persecution from Saul. You think about David as he, as he left the kingdom, as he ran from Absalom, and he, he walked away rather than starting a civil war then and there. And he waited. You know, there were many times where David, he could have grabbed things, he could have made them happen, but rather he comes to God, he he brings his petition to God, he cries to God, and he asks for God to quicken him according 
to his judgment. He's asking for God to come and to judge righteously. For God to come and judge the way that God judges. And once God judges, you know, David recognizes that he'll be quickened. He'll be made alive. The, the situation will be fixed. It will be put to rest. I'm sure David longed many times for God to establish him as king. For God to solve the problem with Saul. It's no light thing to run for your life from a king who's trying to kill you at every turn. A king who has spies. A king who has resources. But David goes to God. He desires for God to quicken him according to his judgment. But then last of all this evening, we'll see the remembrance of the psalmist. His remembrance. Verse number 150, he says, They draw nigh that follow after mischief. They are far from thy law. So we see, first of all, as, this, as David remembers some things, he notices, he looks out, he sees the danger that is surrounding him. They draw nigh that follow after mischief. Now, we're not told, really, we're not even told that David penned this. I believe that David is the one who penned this. And I think that, you know, you read enough Psalms that David wrote, and there's enough similarities here. I, I could be wrong. It could be someone else. But I picture David sitting in a cave, hiding from Saul. What's he crying to God about? Well, he's crying about this very situation. His men have come, and they've said, David, David, Saul's only a few miles away. I don't know what judgment of distance they used, furlongs. He's just over that mountain to the north. He's coming for you. His spies are out and they're searching every nook and cranny of this countryside. David, they might find us. We need to go. And you picture David sitting there penning this psalm to God. And he starts out in verse 145, I cried with my whole heart, hear me, O Lord. I will keep thy statutes. I cried unto thee, save me, and I shall keep thy testimonies. I prevented the dawning of the morning and cried, I hoped in thy word. You'll notice all of these are in the past tense. He's reminding God of prayers that he has made. He's reminding God of promises that he has made in the past. In verse number 148, he switches to the present tense. Mine eyes prevent the night watches that I might meditate in thy word. Hear my voice according unto thy loving kindness, O Lord. Quicken me according to thy judgment. They draw nigh that follow after mischief. They are far from thy law. Certainly Saul and those that followed after him, they followed after mischief. The things that Saul did in order to try to get his ends, Saul went after all kinds of wickedness. Saul forsook the law of God. He didn't follow after the ways of God. He was one who followed after mischief. He was one who was far from God's law. But then David encourages himself. He remembers not just the danger, but he remembers the deliverer. 
Verse 151, he says, Thou art near, O Lord, and all thy commandments are truth. God, there's wicked wicked men that are drawing near. They seek after mischief. They desire to, to hurt me. They desire to take my life. But thou art near, O Lord. David comforts himself in the remembrance that God himself is near. And all thy commandments are truth. All of the things that God had to say, God's word, God's promises, His commandments are truth. David could trust in God. He could trust in God's ways. He could trust in God's promises. Though they drew near that sought after his life, he recognized, he remembered that God is near. Not only that, he says in verse 152, Concerning thy testimonies, I have known of old that thou hast founded them forever. As he thought about the things that God had declared, the things that God had said, David knew of old that they were true. He knew that God had founded them forever. The things that God has said, they're true today. You know, there's a lot of things in this life that have come and have gone since God created this world. There's a lot of empires that have risen and fallen. There's a lot of promises of men that have failed. There's a lot of really powerful kingdoms that have been in existence and have raised their fist and shook it at heaven. Oh, they've all passed on. Oh, there's, there are kingdoms today that do the same. There are men today that raise their fist at God and say, Oh, it's foolishness. I'll live how I want. But you know, in the end, the only one who's founded forever anything is God. Only the things that God has founded are the things that will last. Even this world, God's going to burn it up. He's going to melt it. With a fervent heat. He's going to make a new heaven and a new earth. There's nothing that is founded forever except for God and His Word. The things that God has said, His testimonies, I've known of old that thou hast founded them forever. The decrees that Saul issued, the edicts that Saul declared, Concerning David, they would come to an end. But the things that God had declared, the things that God had founded, they would come to pass. You see, David, he believed in God. He believed in God's faithfulness. He believed in God's word. And it drove him to his knees. It drove him to cry out to God in the midst of troubling circumstances. In the midst of rough circumstances and situations, he cried out to God. He hoped in God's word. He prevented the dawning of the morning. He prevented the night watches that he might meditate in God's word. You see, David had an attitude. David ordered his life. We can see how he trusted in God. Thy word is my hope. And I hope this evening, I trust this evening, it's my desire this evening, for you and for me, 
that we would have the same kind of hope in God and in his word that the psalmist had. That when we're faced with circumstances in life, honestly, when we're, if we wait for the circumstances, we've already failed. We need to prepare now. In, in the good times, in the calm times, in the times when the problems aren't there, you and I need to learn to walk with God, to hope in his word as David did, so that when we are faced with those trying circumstances, we're not shaken. We're already walking with him. We already know him. We've trusted in him. And we can say, like David, I, I cried unto you, O Lord, and I hope in thy word.